grab some seeds. I count how many I need and then put them all together and fold them so I can deliver them. 13-year-old Kayla has just received the latest stack of circulars for delivery. Just put them up. And there's only four. Now I just grab and count them all. Put them on top of each other and fold them in half. She then hits the pavement, carrying up to three bags. I do two papers a week, The Observer and the Kapiti News, and about ten circulars. So how long does it take you a week? Probably about six hours if you include all the folding. And when do you do it? Normally after school and in the weekend. Do you mind doing it? Mm, yeah, but then you get out there and it's fine, so it's just getting out there. Kayla is not alone. At least 60,000 children under 16 have worked delivering commercial advertising, leaflets or newspapers. It's the most common form of paid work outside the home, according to one of the few pieces of research that's just been done in this area, carried out by Caritas, the Catholic Agency for Justice, Peace and Development. In 2003, the agency sent a postal survey to 10- to 16-year-olds at Catholic schools around the country. It received 5,000 replies. We found there was a great deal more work happening than even we suspected. Lisa Beach, Research and Advocacy Officer. Our replies said about 40% of children between 10 and 16 were working. Obviously the older age group there was a slightly higher percentage than the lower one. 20% of the 5,000 respondents did delivery work, 18% service work including cleaning, lawn mowing, motel work and gardening. 13% worked in shops such as supermarkets and dairies, 12% in agriculture and 7% babysitting. Other employment included working in fast food outlets and cafes, labouring, library work and modelling. It's likely that many, like 13-year-old Amelia, do more than one type of work. I do babysitting, leaflets, walking a dog and looking after cats. It's sort of just an occasional thing. Once a week or more. Tell me a bit more about your babysitting. What have you done? I've done the occasional one, mostly when my sister can't and they need someone. What sort of hours do you normally babysit? Really, whatever the parents need, like 7 to 11 at night. This type of light work is a far cry from child labour in developing countries. In India, for example, children routinely work all day in the fields, in factories, in food outlets, are put on the street to beg. Is there this type of child labour problem in New Zealand? Lisa Beach from Caritas says her 2003 survey found one example of sweated labour. Our worst single case that came to us was of a 15-year-old working 35 hours or more in a manufacturing job outside school time who reported getting less than $2 an hour for that work, working in very hot conditions, and he reported being beaten. We weren't in a position to even find out who that person was or to follow that up. The print media made much of the finding, but Lisa Beach says it was only one case. I think we need to be clear. There were headlines that said kids working in sweatshop conditions, but actually it was kid working in sweatshop conditions. There was only one of those. But of course, out of 5,000 children, to find one case like that, I'd be surprised to learn that was an isolated incident. But I think that the whole of that workplace is probably operating outside labour laws. 
The survey also found what Lisa Beach describes as flagrant abuses of legal protections for working children. There were enormous number of children who were working in areas that are right outside the Department of Labor's regulations. Children working with heavy machinery, children working after 11pm, children working with alcohol or being given alcohol as a course of their employment, and we're talking about all the children we surveyed were under the age of 18. The regulations covering children restricts under-16s from working during school hours, bans them from working between 10 o'clock at night and 6 in the morning, and stops under-15-year-olds from doing potentially hazardous work. Shane Kinley from the Department of Labour says children are also generally covered by all elements of the Employment Relations Act. Such as the requirement to have an employment agreement, the right to join unions and children aged over 16 are entitled to minimum wages under the Minimum Wage Act, uh, currently the youth minimum wage, but with the amendments for recent legislation for the new entrance minimum wage uh, due to come into effect next year. They're also entitled to holidays. So those rights apply even when you're under 16? That's correct. Does it apply when children are contractors? The Employment Relations Act rights at the Holidays Act minimum wage apply for employees only. Health and safety rights apply in some circumstances to contractors as well. In the other piece of research on the type of work children are doing, Dr Ruth Gasson, a senior lecturer in education in Dunedin, surveyed 1,500 Auckland school students aged between 11 and 15. She found no cases of sweated labour. We came across a couple that, you know, sounded as though they were doing heavier work than they should have been doing because there are regulations on when children should work or the sort of work that they should be doing. And we felt that had the law been monitored, these children wouldn't have been in the position they were in. More than half of the surveyed students, 57%, worked for less than six hours a week. 22% worked between six and 12 hours a week and 21% worked for over 12 hours. A third of those, that is 7%, worked 18 hours or over. But Dr Gasson says her biggest concern was the 3% who implied they didn't want to be working at all. 3% who, um, when they were asked whether there should be a, a minimum age for entry into employment, said yes. And when they were asked what it should be, stipulated an age that was older than their own. 3%, 3%, is that big enough for us to be concerned about, do you think? Oh, I think every, every child who works who doesn't need to is a concern. Every child who works who doesn't want to or who feels exploited is a concern, yes. The relatively small amount of research in this area suggests that significant child labour is not going on in New Zealand. But campaigners say that doesn't mean children are not being exploited or put at risk. Peter Shuttleworth has written a paper on the issue for Action for Children and Youth Aotearoa, a coalition of NGOs interested in children's rights. It isn't a question that we're into sweated labour or industrial diseases or that there is evidence of trafficking or or sale or bondage to children. It's It's not the real nasties. It's more a lack of clarifying what is acceptable in today's society given that we have a sort of a free market situation. Do you think it matters very much? People might look at children delivering leaflets and doing the odd bit of babysitting and everything and saying, well, where's the harm in that? Well, that's a good question. I mean, on the surface, it seems to be, that no, there's nothing very wrong. But I think when we look at this, we need to look at it from, from different perspectives. So from our society, we've always had a welfare situation of protection of those who are vulnerable. So that's the first question. Are we protecting the vulnerable? The second question is from the individual's point of view, the young person, is 
there is a need for safety, for fairness, for lack of exploitation. There is also, of course, from the employer's point of view, a delight that he doesn't have to meet minimum requirements, so there is an exploitive potential. And then for the unscrupulous, of course, there is a, a direct ability to exploit. And then finally, and very importantly at the moment, there is this world perception of, of how New Zealand is seen because you know we spend an enormous amount of time and money burnishing our image and saying how good New Zealand is. But when we look at the question of free trade agreement with China, we're going to say to them, oh, you, know, you should look at your human rights and get rid of this and get rid of that. They could turn around quite simply and say, well, why don't you look at your own legislation? Author and lawyer Robert Ludbrook has also compiled a report on the issue called Kids Missing Out. There's no minimum age a nine-year-old can deliver circulars for money and there's no requirement of supervision and they would be treated as a contractor. Other kids do babysitting. Now you may think babysitting is a very low-risk activity but uh, certainly the Human Rights Commission and other bodies have come across cases where babysitters have abused the children in their care and the parents or parent have abused babysitters. So it's not a, a risk-free activity. But because we see these things as not really work, even though they're paid, uh, somehow they've fallen outside the purview of, of what is employment, and there are no rules about them. Lisa Beach from Caritas says more questions need to be asked about how safe children are when they're doing paid work. Last year, she conducted a qualitative survey of 30 working children aged 10 to 16, the majority of whom were from the Greater Wellington region. She says she concentrated on delivery work because it's one of the most common areas where children are employed. Our concern has actually moved more to what might be quite invisible. That's something that we're used to that we don't notice anymore. So that's, that's where our, our emphasis has gone now, is the, the more widespread, the more common work experience. The results of that survey have just been released. The big surprise for us was finding how many of the children were contracting their younger brothers and sisters to do the work. So the children that we were talking to were between the ages of 10 and 16. A number of them were involving or contracting their younger brothers and sisters as young as six to do that work for them or with them. In many cases, that's part of the context of family involvement, so the parent who oversees that work may be as involved with the case of the younger sibling as for the older ones but it, in at least one case it was the 12 year old supervising the 6 year old in another case the 12 year old was saying that when they were unable to do the work the younger siblings would do it for them and that was a pair of 9 year old twins now many of the distribution companies have a contracting age there's no formality about that but they, they're talking about employing 11 or 12 year olds the one paper said that they would employ 10 year olds but they don't seem to have any policy on whether those 11 and 12 year olds are actually using either accompanying them in the work or substituting for them for sick leave um, much younger siblings. The Department of Labour is responsible for monitoring health and safety in workplaces with regard to children's employment, it relies on people phoning it with queries or complaints rather than any proactive inspection. I asked its Employment Relations Policy Manager, Shane Kinley, whether the department would be concerned that children as young as six had been found by Caritas to be working as subcontractors. Contracting would be a, um interesting situation for a six-year-old in terms of whether or not they would have the capacity to enter in terms of the legal capacity to enter into a contracting arrangement. 
I think the department would be interested in looking into that situation to find out whether the, the child had legitimately entered into that arrangement and to consider whether or not it was appropriate, but we'd need more information. If New Zealand had a minimum age of employment, it would be much less likely that children of this age would be working. But unlike many other countries in the OECD, this is not the case. It's a situation which puts New Zealand at odds with the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child and the UN agency, the International Labour Organization. In 1993, New Zealand ratified the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, known as UNCROC, but imposed three reservations, including one against Article 32, which relates to young people and work. Dr. Ruth Gasson explains. What it's intended to do is to prevent young people from being involved in work that will harm them or in work that's exploitative, but it also、um, requires governments to set a blanket minimum age. For children to enter employment, the government's more than happy about protecting children from exploitation. In fact, it says that you know we have laws that already do that, but it argues that、um, it might not be in the best interests of children to set a basic minimum age. That view that children in New Zealand are protected from harmful forms of child labour through existing education laws and health and safety legislation continues. Ruth Dyson, the Minister of Labour, until the recent cabinet reshuffle. In my view, we've got a very civilised society in terms of the way that we regard children in the workforce. I don't hear of incidents where children are abused, are used to replace adult labour in a in a manner which is less than respectful of their contribution. Nonetheless, countries that ratify UNCROC are expected to take all reasonable steps towards withdrawing any reservations. As part of that process, the UN Committee receives reports from New Zealand about its progress and issues recommendations. In 1997, it wrote, "The committee is concerned that New Zealand doesn't have a comprehensive policy to deal with child labour." In 2003, its tone became more critical. The committee is disappointed by the slow pace of progress, and that no reservation has been withdrawn. New Zealand should expedite the necessary changes in laws and procedures. But in the intervening years, nothing has changed. Campaigner Robert Ludbrook. By ratifying UNCROC, the New Zealand government made a solemn commitment to the international community to change its laws, policies, and practices where they were not consistent with the rights given to children in the convention. And they did very little for several years, and then they started to put out these rather glossy programs, work programs of what they intended to do. And in some areas, they have made some progress. But in employment, it's impossible to tick off what they have actually done. New Zealand had earlier told UNCROC that the government would assess what steps would be needed to enable withdrawal of the reservation against Article 32. Then, in 2003, the emphasis was switched to the International Labour Organization, or ILO, and what work was needed to allow ratification of ILO Convention 138. Robert Ludbrook calls that switch a red herring, but Shane Kinley from the Department of Labour says it's all part of the same process. If a government is Or a country is compliant with and has ratified ILO 138, they're generally seen as being compliant with UNCROC Article 32.、Uh, the government has therefore directed the department to undertake 
an assessment of compliance with ILO 138 prior to making a decision on whether or not to lift the current reservation on the UNCROC Article 32.2. The Department has been involved in that process over the last five or six years and has been in active engagement with the ILO due to the need to submit reports uh, to the ILO and seek their feedback on our current uh, regulatory framework and current practice and then respond to the ILO's feedback. Um, That process has taken some time. A meeting with the ILO was scheduled for June but did not occur. Department of Labour officials are hoping to have further discussed the issue this month at a meeting of the ILO's governing body. Shane Kinley says there are four main areas which would have to change to enable ratification of Convention 138. Those four areas are that there would need to be an explicit definition of light work put in place, most likely in legislation. There would need to be a minimum age for admission to light work of most likely 13. So no youth under the age of 13 could do any work at all and light work um, would be permissible only for youth aged 13 to 15. The final requirement would be the need to have a minimum age for admission to employment um, of 16 years generally. And that would be consistent with the current requirement for children to be involved in compulsory education in schools until they are 16 in New Zealand. That requirement through the Education Act is probably sufficient on the last point. Finally, there would also need to be a change to current health and safety uh, regulations to change the minimum age for undertaking potentially hazardous work from 15 to 16 years. He says the greatest barriers are around the definition of light work and setting a minimum age for admission to light work. If New Zealand ratified ILO 138, it would mean that no child under 13 would be able to do paid work. 13-year-old Kayla is clear what she thinks about that. It'd suck. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't get any money, would have no experience and gives us something to do. And Zubin, who did delivery work at 13, thinks being able to work is good. I think that it's it's a good experience for people to have some experience of having a job and even if it's not a high-paying job and it's... I think the experience is a really good thing. In Ruth Gasson's survey of Auckland 11 to 15-year-olds, 58% of participants did not want a minimum age for employment, compared with 27% who said they did. The children who were working actually seemed to be the ones that were more motivated. They were doing more homework. They were doing more other things as well. And some of them sort of said, well, you know, I don't enjoy school. Um, This is something I really do enjoy. Or um, what would I do after school if I wasn't working, would I just have to sit and watch TV? They liked getting out and doing things. Dr Gasson says it's important to take young people's views into account. Lisa Beach from Caritas says her research work has changed her views about a minimum age. When I started on this work, it did seem to me that 13 was a reasonable age. My own work has probably lowered my tolerance. I'm probably used to the idea now that 11 and 12-year-olds work for pay in New Zealand. I want to make sure that if an 11-year-old is working in New Zealand, though, we've got the resources and ability to protect them in doing that work. So I, I don't think that we're necessarily looking for that particular age, but we are looking for a minimum age of employment, because I, for myself, find it very unacceptable that eight-year-olds are working. But a minimum age of employment doesn't look on the cards. Minister Ruth Dyson. I don't believe that that is a measure that New Zealand society would want. I don't believe that the New Zealand Parliament would support it. 
we have to make sure that that balance of a contribution for some um, financial reward is also balanced with a protection against any abuse of children. I think we've got that in practice. We have to make sure that the ILO is convinced we have it in theory as well. Ruth Dyson told me she thinks New Zealand is close to convincing the ILO that 138 can be ratified. But without legislation imposing a minimum age of 13, that looks unlikely. Shane Kinley from the Department of Labour. The discussions with the ILO have been seeking to identify what the options are and whether there are any options for us that would not involve putting in place a minimum age of employment. To date, the ILO has indicated that there are a number of changes that will be needed to New Zealand's regime in terms of, in particular, light work for children aged under the age of 13. Ruth Gasson from Otago University believes keeping the reservation against UNCROC 32 may be no bad thing. She says the government needs to consider any action very carefully. People seem to assume that if, if these children weren't doing their holiday work or working before and after school, they might be doing more school work or they might be doing more sports. Or, um, But a lot of the children are, are saying, well, the children who are actually spending more time on school work and sports tend to be the children who are working. And some of them are saying, well, what will we do if we're not working? Dr Gasson believes the participation of children in employment is clearly important to them and the introduction of a minimum age may not be the most effective way of improving their protection. There seems to be more of an emphasis on the protection than the participation, which in a sense seems a wee bit sad because sometimes I think children are better protected when they've got the information and they are participating. Campaigners want to see better protection for working children from injuries, improved health and safety regulations which extend coverage to children working as self-employed contractors, the majority of delivery jobs, a minimum wage and children to be better informed of their rights. Lisa Beach from Caritas says even with delivering leaflets there are hidden risks, risks that have been acknowledged for posties. There are health and safety issues for posties in dealing with dogs. Why don't we assume that, that children who go into those same houses, those same letterboxes, have got those same problems? And then additionally, we have to add to the fact that they're actually going much later in the day to those same houses. Often they're, in, in wintertime they might be dealing with um, you know, at dusk or twilight and they're not given the same kind of recognition of that. The Postal Workers' Union says conditions are much tighter for posties than children. Its president, John Maynard, says, for instance, New Zealand Post has recently imposed a strict regulation that all posties using a bike must wear a high-visibility jacket. Lawyer Robert Ludbrook believes health and safety regulations covering children who work are patchy at best. The sort of occupations that younger children do are not covered. And the other serious deficiency, which the department itself identified at least five years ago, was that children who are contractors are not covered by some of the health and safety regulations. They identified that this was a problem and said that they were about to fix it by changing the regulations. And then, since then, nothing happened. And then they said any change to the regulations had been deferred indefinitely. And so some five years on, having identified a a serious omission in the law to protect child workers, nothing has changed. In the 2003 Caritas survey, a quarter of those working reported having an accident. There is also concern about the low wages that children are paid. 
When 14-year-old Zubin was delivering last year, he worked up to four hours a week, got paid by weight, and earned between $100 to $200 a month. I think they should have paid sort of by the, on average by the hour, because it would have been it's it's quite hard the hours that it takes to fold and to because I don't think they take that into account the amount of time it takes to fold. Kayla gets about four dollars a day for her delivery work and would like that increased. It just doesn't go very far. Like you buy things and then all of a sudden it's gone. How much would you like a day? About six, maybe seven. But I'd raise it by about thirty dollars, maybe. It would help. <laughs> Caritas believes there should be a minimum wage. Lisa Beach. One of the questions that we would have is whether it's actually appropriate to be asking children to do work and paying them tiny amounts. Whether a child who's performing the same job as an adult shouldn't just be being paid the same wage as an adult. The surveys also show children know very little about their rights and would like to be better supported when things go wrong. Thirteen-year-old Amelia has taken over a delivery round from her sister, but hasn't been paid for months. My boss doesn't pay me. He used to pay me once a month for Vola, but but it's kind of slipped behind, which is quite annoying. Minister Ruth Dyson says although Caritas wants New Zealand to comply with the UN conventions on children and work. Doing that wouldn't tackle the issues of pay and conditions. Let's be clear, and Caritas needs to be clear about this as well. If we were to comply with what the ILO Committee of Experts says, we wouldn't be offering protection about those issues. We wouldn't be offering protection about pay rates, or hours of work, or carrying heavy loads. We would be prohibiting people under 13 doing that work, and prohibiting people between 13 and 16 doing specific work. So. Uh, while we could strengthen the protections that we have for contractors at the moment, and as I say, there is a bill before Parliament doing that, that that is not what is needed to comply with what the ILO wants. It would be a prohibition of any work that they would want. The research shows that while some children work to supplement their families' income, in many cases parents subsidise their children's wages by helping with the work, often giving substantial help with a delivery round, for instance. Most of the working children surveyed valued being able to earn some money, said they like meeting people and developing new skills. So, despite the concerns about them needing better protection, does working do any harm in terms of an impact on schooling or later work experience? Tim Maloney, associate professor of economics at the University of Auckland, was commissioned by the Department of Labour to find out. It's pretty clear in the literature, especially from the U.S., that. If there are any detrimental effects, they tend to be associated with excessively long work weeks for students. And in the data that I had available, the Christchurch Health and Development Study, there were very few situations where students were found to work more than 15 or 20 hours per week. He found some minor beneficial effects. There was a slight increase in wages and employment propensities at age 21. For people who had worked while in school between ages 13 and 16, but by age 25, that very weak effect seems to have completely disappeared. So I'd, I'd say the the statistical impact is, is relatively benign, and it certainly disappears entirely by age 25. Children working at quite young ages for little more than pocket money appears to be a widely accepted part of New Zealand culture. What they want is not legislation that stops them from working, but to get slightly more pay and have someone to stand up 
for their rights.